Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Mara Sutton, Alava Shalom, Ludishman, Moshe Ben Adel, by the Edmund J. Safra Synagogue and the entire community. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Ludishman, David Ben Naima, Alava Shalom, sponsored by the Aharon family. Breakfast in the Class, also sponsored by Michael Rahim Zad, dedicated in honor of Rabbi Shalom Farhi. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much, I appreciate it. Um, uh, finally, uh, breakfast in the class is dedicated in celebration of the engagement on Sunday evening of Isaac Syed to Esther Haddad, daughter of Richie and James Haddad, uh, sponsored by Isaac's mom, uh, Rochelle Syed. I hope to pronounce Richie's name right. Okay, congratulations. Let's begin. <clears throat> In our parasha this week, my friends, we read a little bit about um, the, the, uh, the arrival of Yitro in the desert to join the Jewish people and to bring Moshe's children all the way to him. And we are introduced to the children of Moshe Rabbeinu by name. Who are these children of Moshe Rabbeinu? The first, he's got one son called Gershom and one son called... Eliezer, okay? And I was saying, it's an interesting thing. You know, you don't find the recycled usage of the name Avraham. You don't find that the Levi's son or someone's son's name is Yitzchak. By us in the Syrian families, everyone is the same name, right? Who is the first time you see someone, a recycled name? I think this is the first recycled name in the Torah. I might be wrong, but I think. Eliezer. So the first person that got a redo, a rename, is the servant of Avraham Avinu, the Doleu Mashkei Mitorato Rabo, the right-hand man of Avraham Avinu and everything that Avraham did in spreading Torah. So either way, what, what's going on here? What are these two terminologies? Moshe Rabbeinu says, Ger Shom, that I was a Ger, I was a, 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 a sojourner, in a land that doesn't belong to me, with a culture that's not mine, in another place. He was chased, remember, away from Egypt by Paro on the thread of his life after he intervened to save a Jew's life from an Egyptian taskmaster. So he calls his first son Gershom. I was a sojourner there. I was someone that was traveling. I was not uh, a citizen. I was not a local. I was a, I was a uh, sojourner. And the question is, why is Moshe Rabbeinu naming his son this name? Eliezer sounds like a nice Jewish idea. My God is my help. Fantastic. Gersham. Gersham, what is that? So there's something really interesting. Um, the Midrash tells us that when Moshe approached Yitro, when Moshe approached Yitro and he said, um, he said to uh, Yitro that he would like to marry Tzipporah. Yitro said, no problem. On one condition. I want the oldest son for Avodah Zarah. Agree? You can marry my daughter. Don't agree? You can't marry my daughter. Moshe says, okay, no problem. Now, obviously, <laughs> it doesn't mean that Moshe was saying that he's going to give the oldest son it doesn't mean that he's going to teach the older kid Abu Dazara. What does it mean? What Yitro was telling Moshe Rabbeinu, 
And you have to bear in mind the character of Yitro himself, right? Yitro was ostracized in the city in which he lived. If you remember when Moshe Rabbeinu goes to the well and he sees the daughters of Yitro, they're outcasts. He's the one who has to step in and make sure that they also are not chased away from the well and that their sheep get to drink water from the trough as well. Why does Moshe need to save them? How come they're these... Uh, what's the, why are they at, at risk in the community? Because Yitro, who was the local priest, the local uh, you know, religious person, when he discovered that the Abu Zarah that they were all serving was not emet, it wasn't true, he, he in good conscience could not continue doing something that was not true. So what did he do? He switched. And then he switched, and then the people started following him, the second religion, they set up their houses, you know, they buy a Sefer Torah, I don't know, right? They do all the things that they do, they start checking for Shahadnez, Yitro's like, nope! I've studied the books, I've come to the conclusion, <laughs> it's no longer true, I'm now starting a new community called Congrega- Congregation, you know, Bnei Molech, we're going to serve Molech now. They all follow it. Eventually they got sick of it. They couldn't handle it anymore. But Yitro is on a journey, seeking, looking to find Emet. So he tells Moshe, you were born into a system. You're following the God of the Hebrews. Okay, I assume you're going to want your children to follow on the same path. Fine. He says, Let me, give me one. Let one of my grandchildren be someone who is going to be a spiritual seeker. Someone who's going to investigate. You're not going to raise him only in a cheder in Bnei Brak. He's going to experience, he'll understand, he'll look, he'll study everything, and then let him make a choice. But I want his education to be a very wide education. That's what Yitro makes a deal with Moshe. Moshe is now in the middle of nowhere. At least as far as he's concerned, until a a bush spontaneously combusts in front of him, he has no idea as to when or where the Yeshua is coming. So Moshe took the advice that we give all single people. Stop being so picky. You have a great girl in front of you. Yes, there's this issue over here. You'll make it work. Figure out how to make it work. So he tells Yitro, okay, no problem. Don't look at him, Shai. Yeah, he's looking at him, smiling. <laughs> All right? Now, listen. <laughs> it's so funny. Behind the camera, no one knows the drama that goes on in this room. You have to attend the class in person to get the full subtext, okay? You can't go online and, you know, Google what happened in this episode. You know, there's no back scenes. There's no director's cut DVD. You know, you got you to come. You got to come. All right. So... Moshe says, I'm going to make it work. But how's Moshe going to make it work? So Moshe comes up with a solution. And his solution is that he names the child Gershom. So that every time the kid hears his name, every time Moshe Rabbeinu says his name, he he reinforces a concept. We are not from here. So Gershom is learning about the people, about the cultures, all this kind of stuff. I'm sure, alongside everything Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching him. But every time he hears his name, Gershom, we are not from here. This is not our thing. 
This is not the way we do. One of the most important things uh, a parent can teach the, a child is the way of the family, the way of tradition. Now, I need, I need to express myself really clearly on this. We have a pasuk. The pasuk says, Shema b'ni Musar avicha. Listen, my son, Musar avicha, to the rebuke of your father. Ve'altitosh, and do not leave, do not abandon, Torat imecha, the Torah of your mother. So on a simple level, we're looking at the pasuk, you're like, okay, we're telling a kid, a child, listen, son, follow the advice of your father. Listen to the Torah that your mother teaches you. We're saying a simple thing. Learn from your parents. But really, it's saying something more here. Because it doesn't say, Shema b'ni Torah t'avicha. Ve'al titosh Torah mecha. It doesn't say the same word. It, the Pasuk is illustrating to us that there's a different type of Torah that a person learns from their father than the Torah that they learn from their mother. Now, I'm not here to get into the specific type of Torah, but I want that the father teaches, that the mother teaches. Sometimes you have a mother who's more like a father. Sometimes you have a father who's more like a mother. Different types of people play different roles uh, in this world. They play roles that, that match their shoresh, hanishama, the root of their soul. Are they a more nurturing type of a character? Are they a more strict type of a character? Do they come from the side, the soul side of chesed? Or the soul side of deen? You know, what are they going to imbue in their child? So I'm not here to talk about specifically your father, specifically your mother. Maybe that she is for another day. But what I am here to talk about is that there's the musar of the Torah. Okay? There's the do this, don't do this part of Torah. That's what Musar means. When you give someone Tochachat Musar, you give them a rebuke of a way a person's supposed to live. And then there's a Titosh Al Titosh Torat Imecha. There's the Torah of the home. What is the Torah of the home? What is that? What is this phenomenon? A Torah that you don't teach really, that gets taught by the house itself. What is that? In Arabic, we have a word, the Syrian community uses it all the time. And the word is Safe. Can anyone translate that word accurately? It's a hard word to translate. A, a nice way of uh, organization, of uh, serving, put it in, running your home. A nice way of running your home, a nice way of serving, a nice way of presenting. There's a certain sort of way that you're supposed to teach your kids how to be. Etiquette, Etiquette in, is true in, in manners, but it's much larger than manners. Safe also means that you go to shul, right? There's a, there's a funeral, everyone, you turn up. What do you mean, I'm working today, doesn't matter. You figure out how to go, you go to what's it called? Uh, 67th Street over there, uh, the funeral in the middle of the day, middle of the work week, could be in the middle of the busiest work week in the world, 
Everybody's there. Every guy who's running a giant com company, they're there. How are they there? The suffer of the community illustrates, communicates to people in a much more subtle and much more osmosis-like way. Musar is when you're told, you did this wrong, do this, go here, be that. But then there's a Torah Imecha. And you know how you get the Torah Imecha? In, in supper. The way your mother serves supper. The way the house feels like at a Friday night seuda. There's lessons that are intangible there. How a family sits around the table. How these are things, we don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. You don't talk like that at Shabbat table. Is there a rule? Is there a rule book? Go find, you don't know what, you know. Tell, people say, oh, we don't do that. We don't do that? Where does it say that you don't do that? No one will tell, they don't even know the source of it. But they know that this is not how we behave. That's not what we say. That's not what you do. Someone else is in the business over here. You don't come open up the business right next to the guy. Happens to be that that's an isur in the Torah. Right? You can't uh, overstep the boundary of your friend. But people who know that, maybe some of them never learn the mitzvah, but they know they can't do it. Okay? They know there's a way to behave. I remember once I was sitting in the back and I said, and I was sitting and I had my legs like this. I was sitting like that. I, I was subconscious. An older guy comes up to me, tells me, don't sit like that. Put my foot down. Three seconds later, I'm spacing out. What happens? Sit back. It's almost automatic. You sit back, the leg comes up, right? I sit back. Again, the guy comes, don't do that. I remember shaking in tefillah when I was a young man, come back from yeshiva, like this. Shaking. An elderly man came up to me and he held my arm. I remember once I was praying, and I, you know, I, I took my hands behind my back. I don't, it's, you're not thinking, don't do that. If I ask the guy, which siman in the Shulchan Aruch tells you not to clasp your hands, to you, I don't know he'd be able to find it. But there's a way. And this concept that there's a way, an approach, uh, a process, is something which is so important in educating children. I need, you, I need to explain why if I can. Imagine if the only way to educate your child is by telling them that they did something wrong. The child is filled again and again and again and again and again and again and again with negative messages about himself. He's always told he's wrong. He's always told it's not correct. He starts to resent everything that you've said to him. Doesn't want to hear it. Correct? Doesn't want to hear it. You're telling me I'm bad today. You're telling me I'm bad. Eventually, you know what the kid says? Who cares? I'm bad anyway. And instead of the Musar Avicha making the kid better, what does the Musar Avicha do? It makes the kid worse. I'm throw throwing the whole thing away. Sometimes a father does tremendous damage trying to force his son to come to shul. Worse than if you didn't say anything. You didn't say anything, you didn't go to shul today. 
He said something, he's not going to shul for five days. Just to show you. You understand what I'm saying? We learned from Moshe a tremendous lesson. Moshe had to figure out a way to tell a son that every day was going to need to be told, we don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this. He knows he's going to lose him. So he names the child Gershom. So he tells him, Gershom, come to dinner. What did he just communicate to the kid? Subliminally, without, subconsciously, without confrontation. This is not us. Come to dinner. This is not us. I bought you an Xbox. <laughs> this is not us. We're going on vacation this week. He managed to create a mechanism by which he would be constantly encouraging and reinforcing the way that his child should be without ever having to, to issue a negative word. That's the genius of the naming of Moshe's son Gershom. Now my friends, I don't know if you want to name your son Gershom. I don't know if you want to come up with a name that's going to communicate with your son. I don't know if that's what you need to do, especially you, know, you come from a Syrian or Sephardic background. You know, uh, you got a bunch of names to cover before, <laughs> before you have a freebie. You know, you got to have at least four kids before, you know, at least four before you, you've run out of names of parents to name the children. So you don't even have the option. Child number five is when you first get the chance to be creative. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, nevertheless, I don't know if that's the, the root, but the lesson and the message is something which is incredibly important as well. And I'd like to share one element, and that's how we'll end today. One element of this concept of creating Gershom moments. Okay? I just want to give you an example. So, being a son of a rabbi or a daughter of a rabbi is not always so easy. Um, I, I'm sure my kids will tell you the same thing. I can tell you the same thing from when I was young. There's a lot of expectations. And in many ways, those expectations have nothing to do with you. They're not about you. They didn't come from you. You could be whoever you want. You're expected to do or be something just because you happen to be born into this family. That's not always so easy. And sometimes a child is thinking to themselves, I don't, I don't want this expectation. I didn't ask for it. Now, if you live in a community where everyone is doing something, so everyone's going to shul, so what difference does it make if you're the rabbi's son and you have to go to shul? If you're the next guy's son, you also have to go to shul. Everyone's going to shul. But what if you live in a community which is not necessarily like that? But not every kid is going to shul. Some of the kids are staying home and playing or whatever. The kid feels, why am I singled out that I have to do this? The harsher you push that issue, the more challenging it is. So I always was trying to be very careful with, uh, with my son, never to push. Never to go too far, too hard. Because I didn't want him to push back. But it was very hard. It's hard for me to see if my son doesn't, not, he's not going to come, or he doesn't want to come to shul, or he doesn't like coming to shul. For me, it's heartbreaking. But you can't show that. You can't turn it into a thing. 
So we tried to figure like this, trying to figure like that. I didn't know exactly what to do. He doesn't want to come. He's not interested in coming. How do you ask? You don't want to ask. You don't want to make too much of a big... Anyway, I'm trying back, forth, back, forth, until finally, Siata Deshmaya, we, uh, we wound up coming to shul that week, one week, and I said to him, you know, it makes me so happy that you come. I didn't tell him I'm going to reward him for something. I told him, it makes me so happy. You made me so happy that you came to praying on Shabbat, all the prayers. You prayed so nicely next to me. I said, I want to buy you a nice present to say thank you for how you made me, how good you made me feel. He said, wow, well, you don't have to buy me a present. Like he was, he didn't understand the concept. But I said, no, I, don't, I know I don't have to. I didn't say I was going to, I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you I want to. It makes me so happy. I said, what can I get, what can I get you? So he's a kid, a very interesting kid. He's, you know, he doesn't want me to spend money. He, do, you know, he does always thinks that that's too expensive. I can't believe that, don't do that. I said, you know, so I said, what, you, well, what would you, what would you he, I, said, I said, should I buy you a game for your, the, the, game, the, 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 the Xbox or whatever? He goes, no, no, I, he, goes, I have, he goes, I have all the games I need. I said, you want me to buy you the new one? He goes, the new one is very expensive. Said, the new one is very expensive, he tells me. He goes, and the only difference is that they upgrade the players. He goes, I don't want you to have to spend all the money just to upgrade the players. It's fine. I could just use this one. I said, there's no other game that you want. He goes, there's one other game that I really like. He says, but they don't have it on the Xbox. They don't have it on the Xbox. They only have it on the Switch. I got an education. The Switch is like a little handheld game that you play like this with the, you know, with the buttons. For us, our generation, it's like the Game Boy. Okay? A little handheld. So I said to him, I said, you know what? I said, well, I'm sure the Switch is, if it's only available on the Switch, I said, and the Switch is very expensive, you know. I said, what if, what if, if you decide you're going to come, you're going to come to shul more often, if you got this for coming for the one weekend, I could buy you that game and the Switch. I said, he goes, well, what, how does it work? I said, and just you'll be able to play it anytime you come to shul. That week, you'll be able to get the time that you want on the Switch. He's like thinking, he goes, he, goes, he goes, yeah, I would love that. I said, and why don't we do this? The amount of time that you're in the shul on Shabbat, that's how much time you'll get to play that week on the switch. So literally, we incentivized every minute of being in shul. So we went from a guy who doesn't really want to come to he wants to come to the first minyan and then stay for the second minyan and then he's there in the afternoon and he divides the time how much time he gives us every day throughout the whole week. And it came a situation where he wants me to wake him up earlier to go to shul. Now, it's not always easy to think of a gershom way of communicating Torah imecha. It's not always easy. But the benefits of not fighting with your kid over something, not fighting, creating a dynamic where the child is happy to do it or it's non-confrontational because you figured out a way to work it into his actual name, that is the job, I believe, and the wisdom that is necessary in every parent to try and figure out, again, not necessarily through, but by now, we, his coming to shul is not tied at all to the game. And now he still asks me to wake him up early. And he still comes and he sits in synagogue and he asks me, is it okay if I go downstairs after we pray the Amidah? Of course. He wants to go have fun. I'm not telling him, sit here. Of course, have a great time. The best thing in the world would be if he, come, he starts to relate to the shul as a fun place, a happy place to be. 
You know, my friends, this concept, the wisdom of just this name, Gerishom, understanding what Moshe was up against. And my friends, all of us are up against a Gerishom-like challenge. Because the world is educating your children, whether you like it or not. The shows and the things and the movies. And, and by the way, even if they themselves are not so into it, their friends are watching it. And even their friends are not watching it. They're seeing the advertisements all over the place. And all these different things, even if it doesn't influence the child directly, it's going to influence a friend of his who will influence him indirectly. We are fighting a ever kind of, it doesn't ever let up the world. It beats up our kids and tells them about values that we don't hold dear and tells them that those things are important. If you're not pushing back, if you're not pushing back, you're sliding back. Hashem should bless us always to have the chokhmah and the wisdom and the ability to be able to put something across in a positive way. Amen. Now, today more than ever before, we know that children just do not take. They just do not take to that difficult, to that harsh, to that punishment, to that negative. So we have to try harder and harder to come up with beautiful ways of being mechanech our homes. Bezat Hashem, we should be zocheh to see only nachat from our many generations. Baruch Amen.